Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. Good morning, Stanwich family. The gospel lesson for today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. This could be found on page 1017 of your Pew Bible. After learning that she will give birth to the Son of God, Mary visits her relative Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. There, Mary is caught up in praise to God for his blessing upon her and prophetic declaration of the fulfillment of salvation history through the child to come. A reading from Luke chapter 1, beginning with the 39th verse. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she, she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. May God add the blessing to the reading of his holy word. Someday in the future, when historians look back and try to give an account for the story of our culture during this century, I believe they will have to include the fact that, well, we began as an interconnected community under the hand of God. We slowly evolved into a society full of independent individualists. We began interconnected under the hand of God, but we evolved into a society of independent individualists. Perhaps a historian will simply point out the titles of some of our magazine publications to tell the story. We began, of course, by reading magazine like Time, where we considered our place in human history. But more specifically, we wanted to turn the lens, focus a little bit more, not just on time, but on life here on Earth. But not all life, of course, people. That's where we began focusing the lens, focusing the attention, the magnifying glass on people. But, you know, not everyone. Us. Yes. 
Let's focus on ourselves a little bit, shall we, as we move through this century of history of our society. But, you know, when we say us, we really mean a plurality of people, and that's just kind of exhausting, so I'd rather just focus on myself. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the historians will tell the story of our century of history this way, but then they'll come to this point and they'll say, but they stopped reading magazines altogether, haven't we? We don't really read magazines anymore, no. We know no longer people, us, self. Now we just look into our iPhones. That's where we get all of our content. It's really just focused on ourselves. They have cameras on both sides, of course, on the iPhones. We can take pictures of the grandeur and majesty of places like the Grand Canyon and Mount McKinley, but we turn the lens around so that we can take a picture of the magnificent faces that we all possess. You notice this, our pictures of even of natural beauty, we now take up half the shot with a selfie of ourselves. We've turned the lens around, haven't we? We've magnified ourselves. I, I, I. And I'm guilty of this as well if I think about even how much time and energy I've spent since the last time we gathered here in this room a week ago, how much time and energy and focus I've devoted to myself. I'm mortified, frankly. I wouldn't want to see that pie chart of how much time and energy and focus I've spent on myself. What if, though, what if a person reversed the lens, so to speak, and stopped magnifying self and started focusing on someone else, on our creator? In today's scripture, we see someone doing this, and we see what would happen if we all did this. Look at Mary. Look at what Mary says in verse 46 of our scripture today. Something amazing has happened to her, and instead of focusing on herself, look what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary reverses the lens. She turns it back around. She brings magnification like like her soul, like her spirit being a lens, a magnifying glass, not pointing to herself, but pointing everybody for generations To God, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She focuses on herself for just a brief moment in the next verse before flipping the lens back to focus on God. But look what she says about herself when she does give self-reflection. Verse 48, look what she says. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. The humble estate. She says, if you're going to look at me at all, just please know I'm humble And I'm a servant of God. This humble estate is probably a socioeconomic term that Mary's referring to. Mary and Joseph were quite poor. We know this because in the very next chapter, when they go and dedicate Jesus at the temple, they bring an offering. And the offering that they bring is two turtle doves. That was about the, the, the lowest price offering you could bring to the temple. More wealthy families would bring a lamb. But they brought two turtle doves. She's saying, little old me. I'm just humble. I'm just poor. Look at my humble estate. When she continues in that verse 48, for behold, and I almost hear her giggle when she says this, now on, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. It's like she can hardly even believe it. Then she immediately turns, turns that lens right back onto God. And look what she says in verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things. For me. And holy is his name. 
What Mary is saying here is, look, when you look at me, if you ever consider me, oh, historians in future years, think of me as a lens. Think of me as a magnifying glass. Through me, I want you to see someone else. I want to magnify the Lord. There are people like this who've turned the lens around, so to speak, who when we get to know them, we get to know Christ better. We know some people like this. Wasn't it great having Pastor Neely here last weekend? She taught the women on Saturday and she said the pastoral prayer from this pulpit on Sunday. I've thought for years, what is it about this woman that's so unique and so special? And I realized as I was studying this passage this week, this, this is true of her. Her soul magnifies the Lord. When you're around her, when you're experiencing her ministry, you get drawn closer to Christ. This is a person whose soul magnifies the Lord. Her ministry magnifies the Lord. Her voice magnifies the Lord her whole life. And that's why when we encounter her, we encounter Christ. And we're trying to build a culture around here where we are people who are not about ourselves, but who have lives that become magnifying glasses to God, that bring God the glory. There was this really wonderful moment this past week with our staff team. We had the uh, staff Christmas party. I love the staff Christmas party. It takes place in my living room, and the staff comes out, and they bring their spouses. And for years, we used to play the white elephant gift exchange game. I hate that game. Talk about the anti-spirit of Christmas. You know, we're stealing from each other. So when I became senior pastor, I got rid of that game. And instead, we gather around the piano and we sing Advent and Christmas carols together. I like that a little bit more. And there was a moment this past Thursday where we had the staff in my living room. We were singing a carol and I realized, wow, this is wonderful. What if we had a whole staff team who wanted to be magnifying glasses, wanted to be lenses, not for ourselves, but for the Lord. And I sensed the Holy Spirit in the room as we sang one particular song. We actually sang it a few minutes ago here with the Advent candle. Oh, come let us adore him. You know this song, right? Well, that song has like 27 verses. And we were on one of the later verses together as a staff in my living room singing. And we were singing this one lyric repeatedly. And I really sensed that the staff meant it. And the Holy Spirit was blessing us. Will you help me sing this, this one verse? It goes like this. It goes, We'll give him all the glory. We'll give him all the glory. Give him all the glory. Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. Yes. And I just got hit with the Holy Spirit in my living room on Thursday night because I realized I was surrounded by a team, surrounded by ministers of the gospel who seek to give glory to God, to give all the glory to God. We are trying to build a culture around here where when people look at us, when they encounter Stanwich Church, they're drawn closer to God because we're magnifying God. Now, what, what, um, what could prompt this, this type of lens turn, as it were? Well, in Mary's case, something instructive prompts this moment. I want us to look at it together because it's helpful for us as we consider this for ourselves. Two things happen for Mary. She has an encounter with God, and she has a connection with community. An encounter with God and connection with community. She has just experienced in the previous chapter, an angel has visited her. 
an angel from the Lord who says, Mary, you're going to bear a child, and this child is going to be the long-expected, long-awaited Savior. So she's had an encounter with God through this angel. And we pick up the story then in verse 9, where we see her get a connection then with community. Encounter with God, connection with community. Verse 39, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth is Mary's maternal aunt. So she has this encounter with God and she goes with haste into the hill country to go find Elizabeth to talk about it. Do you ever have an experience? Do you ever have something that happens in your prayer time or an experience with God and you say, I got to call my sister. I got to call my brother. I got to call my aunt. I got to text Pastor David. That's usually what I do when I have an encounter with God. David, what do you think about this? And you got to go talk to somebody about it. What we're looking for there is confirmation. We're looking for affirmation. And occasionally the person we reach out to, they say, are you sure you heard that? So we're looking for wisdom as well. And so Mary runs to her maternal aunt Elizabeth's home. And look what happens. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. The baby. This is the person who would grow up to become who we call John the Baptist. He leaps in his mother Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary had this encounter with an angel, an encounter with God, and she runs to Elizabeth for confirmation, for affirmation. And before she can even get in the room, Elizabeth says, I don't know what just happened to you, but when you walked in the room, the Holy Spirit hit me, and it hit the baby in my womb as well. That's affirmation. That's confirmation of what God spoke to Mary. He's speaking the same thing to Elizabeth and John the Baptist. Yes, we need community, we need connection, we need fellowship with one another. Because we can't experience God on our own. We can, but he doesn't want us to leave it that way. Imagine if Mary had had that encounter with the angel. And she decided in response to that, she was just going to go solo. She was just going to go for a long pilgrimage in the woods and think about it all. I would imagine she would begin to be flooded with doubt maybe with skepticism, maybe with false narratives. I would if I just went out on my own after having an encounter like God. No, she goes in to find Christian fellowship, community. These are the first Christians, if you think about it. These are the first people who are experiencing Jesus. He's not even out of the womb yet, but he's gathering believers by the Holy Spirit. So she gets this connection with Christian community. We need that affirmation. When God speaks. I remember I had a very clear example of this in my own life. I was seven. I was in the second grade. And I was sitting in my desk there in the second grade classroom. And Mrs. Lucas, our second grade teacher, she asked everybody to go up and down the rows and tell her what we wanted to be when we grew up. So I heard, you know, fireman, teacher, lawyer, ugh. People were saying what they wanted to be when they grew up. No offense to all the lawyers. <laughs> and it got to my desk, it got to my place, and I said, um, I want to be a, a pastor. And I remember Mrs. Lucas standing at the front of the room, about four and a half feet tall. And she heard what I said, and she said this exact phrase in response. She said, 
Nathan, I'm tickled pink. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. That's exactly what she said. I remember it very clearly because it was that moment, actually, that I look back and remember as my calling into the ministry. God had clearly spoken to me at some point that I would utter those words, I want to be a pastor. But it was Mrs. Lucas's affirmation. Nathan, I'm tickled pink. It felt in my memory, it's like a tractor beam of light hit me when she affirmed what I had said. You see, God speaks to us. We have encounters with God, but we really need fellowship. We need Christian community to either confirm or dissuade us. We need each other. During the pandemic, I really missed worship here in the sanctuary. I missed it a lot, that encounter with God that we experience. But I really missed Emmaus Hall as well, that fellowship time, that connection. We need it. We need encounter with God and connection with Community. This is what Mary experiences in this moment. It's what flips the lens around. It's in response to that greeting by Elizabeth that she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Yes, it's true what God has done in me. Now turn my life, Lord, into something that exalts, that magnifies, that praises you. And she goes on to pray more after this magnificat expression. And She shows us in the rest of her prayer, which we're going to look at right now, I believe she shows us what happens when she flips that lens around and magnifies God. She shows us in this prayer the world through God's eyes. The lens now suddenly becomes the lens of the eyes of God looking down at the world. She's seeing the world now through God's eyes. Once she flips the lens around, look what she says in verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. See this God's eye view now? He can see the generations coming, rising and falling, the generations coming and going. As the generations come, what does God desire for each generation? Mercy. Because he knows. God knows how sinful we're going to be, how selfish we're going to become. I, 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 taking selfies of ourselves when we're missing the grandeur of creation. He sees what sin does for us. It turns us inwards. It flips the lens inwards. And he sees the generations rise up. Every new family that comes for baptism. Every crop of children. You know how many children we have on this property right now? Every crop of children that comes, he sees us rise up and he says, that new generation is going to need my mercy too. Because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. We've all gone inward. We've all become selfish. Verse 51, he's shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. What I believe Mary's prayer is showing us here is that God and his mercy, God's mercy, God's forgiveness is the great equalizer of human history because everybody at the foot of the cross is equal. Everybody's in need of God's forgiveness. And as Isaiah would put it, he would raise up the valleys and bring down the mountains. Or as Jesus would later say it when he grew up, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mary's prayer gets at a similar theme in the next verse, verse 53. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. 
What's Mary's prayer talking about there? Perhaps it's this. Perhaps it's that God looks at all of us and all the generations of history, and he knows because of our sinfulness, our selfishness, he knows that we need help. He knows that we need supply, the supply of his mercy. And those of us who make agreement with that, we're hungry. We say, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. And he fills us with his mercy. But those who of us, in this case, who are rich in ourselves, rich in our own self-righteousness, we say to God, God, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need you. I'm doing fine on my own. Well, guess what? If we have an encounter with God, we're going to go away empty. Because what God is offering us, we have to make agreement of our need for it. And if we don't have a need for it, God says, I have no business with you. So the rich he sends away empty. We need his help. Verse 58, he has helped. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary probably would have no way of knowing the power and the importance of a phrase like that. How God, through Christ, would help his people by remembering his mercy, by looking at us in all of our sin, all of our inversion of the focus, where the focus should be on him. We focused on ourselves. He knows these people need my mercy. And how would God give us his mercy? How would he remember his mercy? Well, he would do in Jesus, in the story of Jesus, he would do the exact reversal of what we tend to do because of our sin. Jesus, the true magnificent one, the glorified one, the one seated on the throne of the universe, deserving of all praise and all attention and all glory. And he stepped down from his throne. He became the humble, poor servant. And he went to the cross. Oh, exalted one. Went to the humble cross and the world turned its face away. The father turned his face away. All the lenses turned in the opposite direction because it was too horrifying to look at. This is his mercy for us. Because in that place on the cross, he was receiving the consequences, the punishment for all our sin, all our selfishness. He became sin. So that we could might so that we might receive his righteousness. Jesus reversed the lens. And now in response to that, we we can live lives that magnify him. But there's something that has to take place in us before we can truly do what Mary did here. Before we can reverse that lens, we can stop focusing on ourselves and start magnifying him. There's something that has to happen in us. We have to die to ourselves. That's what the New Testament is clear about. We have to die to our Selves. Jesus said this. He said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Did you know that? Maybe you're new to Christianity and this is news to you. Maybe you've heard the message that Jesus died for us, and now you're hearing for the first time he asks us to die for him as well. It's true. We don't die the same physical, painful death that he died on the cross, but what he's inviting us into is the death of that place in us that always fights for ourselves. Call it your ego. Call it your, your grip on a sense of control of your own life and your own situations. Call it 
reputation management. Call it whatever you want to, that thing in you that fights for yourself to be number one all the time. Jesus says, come and let that die at the altar. Die to yourself and live for me. That's what happens in baptism. We die to our old selves. We get a new self by the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit so that we don't have to live for ourselves anymore. We can live to magnify and glorify him. Is there anyone else here who, like me, is exhausted by trying to self-aggrandize and live for yourself all the time? It's exhausting. It's tiring. We have freedom offered to us when we die to ourselves and live for his glory. We're going to sing a song together in just a couple of minutes. I love the lyrics of this song, and I want us today to to treat this song as a real, genuine, authentic prayer that we mean. And the prayer is, Christ be magnified. We're going to sing this together after we take communion. We're going to say these words, Oh, Christ, be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. See the, this language here, the altar of my life, this invitation to come and die to ourselves on the altar so that Christ can be magnified in me. And then in the bridge of the song, we're going to sing this amazing lyric. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. This is the the deeper invitation, guys. Not just to live lives that magnify and glorify God, but to do what's necessary to get to that place, to die to ourselves, to live for him. So as we come to the communion table in a couple of minutes, that's the invitation. Lord, receive my sin, receive myself, receive my selfishness, and let it remain at the altar so that when we sing together at the end of communion, we'll truly mean it. Oh, Christ, be magnified in me. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.